Good morning, church family, and welcome to Castle Hill Church Online. I trust that you have been keeping well and doing okay with our new way of living. Welcome to all our members, and a special welcome to the many others who are tuning in to Castle Hill. Also, welcome to the REL members. My calendar is reminding me of events that we are not having, but stay safe and stay home. Recently, I read a short story, most probably on Facebook, where Satan issued a challenge to God, saying, My COVID-19 virus has closed all your churches. God's reply was, On the contrary, I now have a church in almost every home. And it is true, we can worship our awesome God and feel his presence from home during this time of separation. It is true that we miss connecting face to face and we look forward to the time when it will be safe to meet together again. I have greatly enjoyed our church online and I'm so thankful for all the time, effort, talent and skills of our pastoral team, youth and technicians to make it all possible. Thank you to all of those people. The news is full of things that can make us fearful and fill our hearts with worry and doubt. Remember that we have a God who is way beyond our human comprehension, a God who knows and cares intimately for each one of us. We must put our whole trust in him. Praise God. King David had an amazing ability of expressing his love, trust and praise for God. I just want to share a few verses. Verses from Psalms, and I'm reading from the Message Bible. Psalms 27, and David says, Light, space, zest. That's God. So with him on my side, I am fearless, afraid of no one and nothing. I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world. The perfect getaway, far from the buzz of traffic. God holds me head and shoulders above all who try to pull me down. I'm headed for his place to offer anthems that will raise the roof. Already I'm singing, singing songs to God. I'm making music to God. And over in Psalm 67, just a few verses from there, God, let people thank and enjoy you. Let all people thank and enjoy you. Earth, display your exuberance. You mark us with blessing, O God, our God. You mark us with blessing, O God. Earth's four corners honour him. Our speaker today is Marvin Malcolm, and we look forward to his message. So how is it going? How is the lockdown affecting you? The signs are that the restrictions are gradually going to be lifted, but what have you learned through the lockdown period? What have you learned about people? And more importantly, what have you learned 
about yourself. David was in lockdown. And I think we should probably go back and try and understand how he got into this situation. To be fair, it started out really well with Saul. Um, David was asked to go and play his harp for Saul when Saul was in his turmoil period. And Saul actually liked David. In 1 Samuel 16, 21, it says, David came to Saul and entered into his service. And Saul liked him very much. And he chose him as a man to carry his weapons. And David even, Saul even sent a message to Jesse and said, I like David. Let him stay here in my service. But after Goliath, things changed. As David was returning back from killing Goliath, and the soldiers were coming back home, all the women from the town came out to meet them. And they were singing joyful songs and playing their tambourines and dancing and so on. And they were singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his ten thousands. Now that's not quite the message that you want to hear as a king returning back from a battle. And Saul became very angry. And he was saying, well, so for David, they're saying he's killed his ten thousands, but only thousands for me. What will they do next? They'll make him king next. And so he was jealous and suspicious of David from that day onwards. And that is the backdrop to the situation that David finds himself in. King Saul has repeatedly tried to kill David, and now David is on the run from King Saul. And our story this morning really goes around 1 Samuel chapter 25, verses 2 and 3. It says, there was a man of the clan of Caleb named Nabal, who owned some land near the town of Carmel, and he was a very rich man. He owned 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. His wife, Abigail, was beautiful and intelligent, but Nabal was a mean, bad-tempered man. Now, being on the run cannot be much fun, and with around 600 men that you're responsible for, it must have made it quite difficult for David. Feeding warriors is a hard job. Even though I suspect a lot of them were quite self-sufficient, David still probably had a responsibility or felt responsible for them. So I can imagine they're out there in the wilderness and the food supplies are pretty low. And there are shepherds out there with many, many sheep. And there's goats there. And you're thinking to yourself, well, would anyone miss any? I'm sure that David's reputation had gone before him. And I'm sure that somehow the shepherds knew who David was. And I'm sure that message also got back to Nabal, that there are these wild men in the wilderness and they potentially could take some of your livestock. 
But David and his men, they do the right thing. And in fact, they actually help look after the shepherd and their, sh- their flocks. So eventually it comes to sheep shearing time. And with around 3,000 sheep, Nabal needs to hire men to do that. Now, I, I was researching and I realized that the, uh, the world record for shearing sheep is actually by, held by a Kiwi. And he managed to shear, I think it's around about 500 sheep in eight hours. Now, if we were to extrapolate that, it would take him, if he could continue that, around six days to shear the 3,000 sheep. Now, of course, that was now, that is now. Back then, it would have taken them a lot longer. And Nabal would have had to hire many, many men in order to be able to shear those sheep. So you can imagine he has to pay those men, he has to feed those men. So when it says that Nabal was wealthy, we start to get an understanding of what that must have been. It was also the custom at the time that when you sheared sheep, you had celebration. There was a lot of feasting going on. And David himself was a shepherd and he knew what happened at sheep shearing time. It was a time of hospitality. Uh, And I can imagine friends and family would drop by and they'd enjoy the food, they'd enjoy the eating, there'd be a lot of laughter going on. It was a really good time. And then I can imagine that after months of eating poor quality food, David lies back and he's looking at the stars and he's thinking to himself, hmm... I could kill some roast lamb right now. Or I could, I could handle a, a, a plate of curried goat. And he gets hungrier and hungrier by the minute. So after months of lockdown, David sends 10 of his men across to Nabal and he sends them with a message. Now I can imagine the scene as they turn up. Nabal is eating his breakfast and he's enjoying some freshly baked bread and some leftovers from yesterday's feast. So he has one of those napkins around his neck and he's eating with his hands and I can imagine he's he's dipping the bread into into some leftover and he's eating and some of it's dripping down his his chin and onto his napkin, he's wiping it and he's really enjoying the food. And the servant presents... David's messengers to Nabal. And they start talking. Our leader David sends greetings, my friend. He wishes the best for you and your family. He's heard that you're shearing sheep and he wants you to know that while we were with your shepherds, we didn't harm them. We helped look after them. You can just ask them and I'm sure they would tell you that. We've come on a feast day and we we just ask that you accept us and receive us kindly and please give what you can for your friend David. Have you ever asked for something with the expectation that you're going to get it? And in fact, all you're looking for is that rubber stamp that says you're going to get it. Well, I'm guessing that David's men were probably thinking, 
ah, oh, this is going to be easy. Nabal is going to come up with the goods. And so they wait patiently. And Nabal continues eating. Until he's finished and he licks his lips, his fingers, wipes his mouth, and looks up at David's men and says, David? Who's he? I've never heard of him. There are lots of men that are roaming around the, the, the wilderness and the countryside, probably, lost, probably slaves, escaped from their masters. Do you think I'm going to take my bread and my water and the animals that I've butchered for my sheep shares and give them to random people that I don't know where they came from? A tale of four people. Person one, Nabal. Imagine being in a place and a position of plenty and being unwilling to help someone else who's not as fortunate as you are. We've witnessed the best and the worst of people in this COVID-19 scenario. Often we saw people's true colours. Nabal was known as a bad, mean, ill-tempered man, and his selfishness was plain for everybody to see. So how have you shown up during the pandemic? Have you been willing to do something to help somebody who's not as fortunate as you? Have you been willing to help out where you can? Or have you had your Nabal moment? Would people be shocked to find out that you were a professing Christian after witnessing your behaviour? Supposing you return to church after the lockdown has been lifted, would you be embarrassed if someone came in that you had an interaction with during the lockdown period, whether in person or online? Would you be embarrassed to see them? A tale of four people. That was person one, Nabal. So David's men return to David empty-handed, and they tell him what Nabal has said. Now, what would you do? I can imagine David was patiently waiting for his roasted lamb. And all he hears is an insult. Immediately he calls 400 of his men and says, buckle up your swords. And he sets off to go and teach Nabal a lesson. I mean, the insolence of the man. A tale of four people. Person two, David. Have you ever felt so badly wronged that you acted irrationally? The wise man had some interesting things to say about anger management. In Proverbs 14, 29, it says, If you stay calm, you are wise. But if you have a hot temper, you only show how stupid you are. Proverbs 29, 22, it says, An angry man stirs up conflict, and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. If you were to think about things that you've 
either done or said that you most regret, how many of them were done while you were angry? During this lockdown period, we've probably spent more time together than we usually do. Parents and children at home, together, all the time. So let me ask you a question. Is your sister getting on your nerves? Do you snap at her and say mean things? Or how about your brother? Is he becoming really really annoying, so much that you, you want to do something to get back at him? Or maybe your spouse is frustrating you and you just cannot wait for them to get back to work so they can just get out of your hair, give you your space back and, you know, give you some time to yourself. But let's pause for a moment. Why was David so angry? Nabal never owed him anything. David never entered into an agreement with Nabal that says, if I protect your sheep and your flocks, then you'll give me some food at sheep shearing time. Sure, Nabal was selfish, but why the need to punish him? I mean, I think David's reaction was a bit extreme. What do you think? Do you think David's reaction was extreme? I'll submit to you that the negative side of pride, which is classed as one of the seven deadly sins, along with ego, are two of the things that are the core of many of the problems in today's society. Pride prevents us from saying sorry in a relationship. Pride makes you stubborn. Pride, along with ego, causes us to spend what we don't have just not to appear inferior. Pride causes us not to accept someone else's suggestion, even though it may be better than ours. Pride makes you feel superior to others. It makes you conceited and makes you arrogant. Pride prevents us from admitting mistakes. If you were to finish this sentence, pride makes me, what would you end up saying? If you were to examine yourself today, what does pride cause you to do that, on reflection, isn't a particularly flattering aspect of your character? It is unfortunate that none of us are exempt from pride. It's neither me nor you. I'll also submit to you that pride was probably one of the reasons that David buckled up his sword, dragged 400 other men into a potentially tragic situation. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have taken so many lives unnecessarily and all over a plate of food? Completely unnecessary. A tale of Four people. That was person two, David. Let's continue the story in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 25. It says that one of Nabal's servants said to Nabal's wife, Abigail, Have you heard? 
David sent some messengers from the wilderness with greetings for our master, but he insulted them. Yet they were very good to us. They never bothered us, and all the time that they were with us in the fields, nothing that belonged to us was taken, or, or nothing was stolen. They protected us day after night, the whole time we were there. Please think over this and decide what to do. It could be disastrous for our, our master and his family. He's so mean, and he won't listen to anybody. Isn't it great where you have someone that you can just Put a problem at their feet. Just know that they're going to solve it. Judging by the servant's words, please think this over and decide what to do. I'm guessing it wasn't the first time that Abigail had been asked to solve a problem that Nabal had caused. And I'm sure that although Nabal held the place of the head of the household, Abigail probably ran a tight ship and worked around her husband's failings with tact, diplomacy, and cunning. Abigail was the smart one. Now, have you been faced with a problem where you were stuck with indecision? Oh, what should I do? Um, what's the best plan of action? Not so Abigail. In verse 18, it says that Abigail quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two leather bags full of wine, five roasted sheep, 50 kilos of roasted grain, 100 bunches of raisins, 200 cakes of dried figs, and loaded them onto donkeys. Then she said to the servants, you go ahead and I'll follow you. But she said nothing to her husband. Just stepping back, can you imagine the size of feast they must have had where Abigail had at her disposal 200 loaves of bread, five roasted sheep, a hundred bunches of raisins, just like that. Abigail realizes that now is not the time for indecision, and she acts. When she meets David, she drops on her knees. Please, sir, um, listen to me. Let me take the blame. Please don't pay attention to Nabal, that good for nothing. He's exactly what his name means, a fool. I wasn't there when your servants arrived. It's exactly the opposite of pride, isn't it? She was, she was willing to accept the blame, accept fault, when the fault wasn't hers. If she did have a fault... It was that she wasn't there to meet David when he first came or he received David's men. And she continues, it is the Lord who has kept you from taking revenge and killing your enemies. Please, sir, please accept the presence that I've brought and give it to your men. Please forgive me, sir, for any wrong that I have done. A tale of four people. Person three, Abigail. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That verse is a perfect match for Abigail and Nabal. 
Notwithstanding the fact that David had no right to demand anything from him, a harsh word by Nabal is starkly juxtaposed against a gentle answer from Abigail. You can imagine, David, the closer he got to Nabal's property, the more angry and riled up he became. You know that feeling when you're setting yourself up for a confrontation and your heart is beating a bit harder and you're trying to, and you're justifying all the things in your mind about why you need to do what you, you're going to do. In verse 21 it says, David had been thinking, why did I ever protect that fellow's property out there in the wilderness? Not a thing that belonged to him was stolen. And this is how he repays me? For the help that I gave him? He's there justifying his actions. And he goes on to say, may God strike me dead if I don't kill every last one of those men before the morning. Now, to me, that doesn't sound like a man who is acting rationally. Killing over a plate of food that you weren't even promised. A word to the men. Sometimes God places in your life a certain lady for a reason. Maybe it's a to add a little balance to your thinking. Maybe it's to add a little color to your life. And I believe that Nabal's household all benefited from having Abigail, a voice of reason. I suspect she was the one that they always went to when they had a problem. The calm thinker, the sensible one. And I'm guessing it probably didn't hurt that she was beautiful as well. And I think that beauty was both outside and inside. So, men, if you have one of those ladies in your life, treasure her. Because she could be preventing your Nabal versus David encounter. Now, I suspect a lot of ladies at the moment are saying, and feeling quite smug with that, but ladies also make sure you are not your husband's Jezebel. But Abigail hadn't finished. She said something to David that really must have pricked his conscience. In 1 Samuel 25, 30 and 31, she says, And when the Lord has done all the good things he has promised and has made you king of Israel, then you will not have to feel any regret or remorse sir, for having killed without cause or for having taken your own revenge. Ouch! That must have stung David. You will not have to feel regret or remorse for having killed without cause or for having taken your own revenge. That is telling him as it is. I love what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 23 to 26. It says, refuse to get involved in inane discussions. They always end up in fights. God's servants 
must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. You never know how or when God might sober them up with a change of heart and turning the truth, turning to the truth, enabling them to escape the devil's trap where they are caught and held captive, forced to run his errands. Now that is gold right there. God's servants must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, enabling people to escape the devil's traps when they are forced to run on the devil's errands. And isn't it amazing how God used Abigail in exactly that, that, that way? She triggered a change of heart in David, allowing him to escape the devil's trap while running his errand, because it certainly wasn't God's errand that David was on. Whose Abigail are you? Acting as a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently while God works. A tale of four people. That was person three, Abigail. So what now? What's David to do? The man who they'd been singing has slain his ten thousands and was on his way to slay a few hundred more. But more importantly, he is met by this beautiful woman, a godly woman. What does he do now? In verse 32, David says, Praise the Lord God of Israel who sent you today to meet me. Thank you for your good sense and for what you have done today in keeping me from a crime of murder and from taking my own revenge. The Lord has kept me from harming you, but I swear by the living God of Israel that had you not hurried to meet me, all of Nabal's men would have been dead by morning. David accepted what she had brought him and said, go back home, don't worry, I'll do what you said. Wow, what a turnaround. You often hear stories where it says a particular act has caused a change in the course of history. Abigail's quick thinking and gentle answer, a teacher who keeps cool, changed the course of history. When we look back at the story of Nabal and David and Abigail, we often focus on Nabal and David's bad choices and maybe Abigail's common sense. But I've got to give David his due. Pride sent him off on the devil's errand, but he turns around and owns his own failing. A tale of four people, person four, David restored. And the thing I love about this is that it is great news for all of us. I doubt any of us have seriously headed out on the devil's errand to go and kill someone. But what is your devil's errand 
Maybe it's the emotional abuse we inflict on our spouses. Maybe it's the way we plot to exclude someone at school just because they're a bit different from us or because they're not as cool as us. Maybe it's a passive-aggressive tone that we use to put people down in the office or at home. Maybe it's the sexual or physical abuse that we do in secret, all the while pretending to be Christians. What is your devil's errand? Well, the good news is you don't have to stay that way. Your Abigail lesson could be right now. And as you spend some time, more time in lockdown, thinking about how much better it's going to be once it's over, maybe now's the time to pause and reflect and pray and ask God to send an Abigail into your life. Or maybe ask him to help you to recognize the Abigail that may already be in your life. Maybe your Abigail could be our conversation today. Maybe it could be your spouse. Maybe it's your children or your brother or your sister. Maybe your Abigail is your work colleague. David's encounter with Abigail is, to me, just awesome because it shows us that God can turn any situation around. If he can turn around a warrior who is hell-bent on murder, how much more can he turn you around? Sure, your behavior could be ingrained, so ingrained that you find it hard to break, but it is absolutely doable. Our pastor Pablo posted something on Facebook last week that I think just fits perfectly with this. It said, don't cling to a mistake just because you spent a long time making it. I love that. Don't cling to a mistake just because you spent a long time making it. There may be something that you'd like to change in your life. Some devil's errand that you're running day after day and you know it's not you. Or it's not who you want to be. Maybe it's a person that you've become because of lockdown. Or maybe it's a person that you have become because of something that happened some time ago. Well, I'm here to tell you that just as David didn't cling on to what the path that he was heading down, he was able to pause, think, reassess, Surely, you'll also be able to say after today, thank God for your good sense, for what you have done today in keeping me from doing wrong. I was about to go and take my own revenge. A tale of four people. That was person four. Not just David restored, but you and me restored. So who do you resonate with? Is there some of Nabal's selfishness present in your life? Is there some of David's negative pride, ego, and arrogance in your life? Hopefully, there's some of Abigail's godly beauty in your life. 
We all have our devil's errands that we run. And this is your opportunity, with God's help, to resonate with person four. David restored. You restored. And have your restoration moment. If you'd like to have your restoration moment, then raise your hand with me as we pray. Father God, as we contemplate the tale of these four people, Nabal, who thought of nobody other than himself, a selfish, belligerent man, thinking only of himself. We think of David, who let pride send him on the devil's errand. And we think of Abigail, the voice of reason, the wise voice of reason and soft answer. And finally, we think of David and us, and we can change our spots with your help. I pray you send our Abigail to awaken our conscience and allow us to be in tune with your Spirit's leading as we free ourselves from running the devil's errands and turn instead to running your errands each day and also allowing us to become an Abigail in someone else's life. Amen.